Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Brent Gunning filling in today and the rest of the week for Justin Cuthbert, who's on vacay on the Fan Morning Show. And clarification for all the golf nerds who have now jumped on my comment when I said Gary Player was the oldest to win the Masters. At the time when he won that third go. Masters was when he became the oldest golfer. I understand that. 1978 was when he once won. He won them all in 61, 74, and 78, and the latter being the time that he became the oldest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up for you for just a second here. Yes. Gary Player's old, okay? Leave yeah, yeah, I understand yeah, right? that he's not the oldest now, but at the time he became the oldest. So just clarification. No worries. Appreciate the, uh, <laughs> the text. Um, all right, we got Ty Dunn because we got so much to unpack here with him, a national NFL writer and founder of Go Long Newsletter. What's going on, Ty? It's been a while. What's up? Yes, <laughs> yes, and I'm trying to remember the last time we, Ages. we spoke, where things were with Lamar and Aaron Rodgers, but I think you're <laughs> right. A lot probably has changed. I think it, it changes by the hour. I was going to say, uh, we could have talked last week and a lot has changed, um, but it has definitely been a little while. Uh, we'll start with just Lamar Jackson. Obviously, we saw yesterday the tweets coming out. Good for him for getting ahead of it and saying, this is what's going on, folks, because we need some clarity. A formal trade request on March 2nd. Uh, obviously, the Ravens put the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. Just broad strokes. How do we get to this point with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and just this fiasco that is currently under undertaking here? I do think it's it's even bigger than the Ravens in terms of this guaranteed money stuff. I mean, Jim Irsay said the quiet part out loud down at the owners' meetings. Mm-hmm. This, this is something that NFL teams don't want to do. They don't want to go down the road of fully guaranteed contracts and. You know, Jimmy Haslam was the outlier with Deshaun Watson. They don't want that to be a precedent for, for anybody. And, yeah, I mean, you can call it soft collusion. You can call it straight-up collusion, whatever you want. I mean, they're all kind of in on this together. And the Ravens and Lamar, I, I would think the relationship, it, it seems broken beyond repair, doesn't it? Yeah. When, when Lamar Jackson put it out public trade requests and right when John Harbaugh's talking, I mean, is that a coincidence when no. he <laughs> apparently, right? I mean, March 3rd is when he apparently put that in. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the, the, this is a hard business and the Ravens are probably looking at this as, okay, Lamar, like this is our offer. Go see if you can get anything better. We don't think you're going to get anything better. You'll come back to us and we'll all kind of move on. But I, it's, it's a game played by human beings. These aren't cogs in a machine. These aren't just like, you know, names and heights and weights. Like, Lamar's pissed, and rightfully so. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He does things we haven't really seen ever. Um, they should have gotten this done two years ago, and it's it, it, for it to drag out two years, I, I don't know where he's going to play, but I feel like Lamar is going to really dig his heels in here and, and, and refuse to play for the Ravens and stick to this trade request. I mean, he, he, is, he is stuck to his guns to this point. Why would he just give in and and play for a team that obviously is, you know, making him pretty upset right now. Yeah. And right, rightfully so. I mean, uh, you know, there's been the pushback of would this be any different if he had an agent? I don't know how much that changes things. I mean, I understand it's easier to negotiate with someone who you can offend on someone's behalf as opposed to offending the person in general. But I look at this as the ball being firmly in the Ravens court in terms of who kind of botched things Mm -hmm. here. You know, Lamar's allowed to have a tough ask. He's an MVP. He's proven it. He's allowed to ask for, for a lot of money. And it's, this isn't a, you know, a talented wide receiver, a nice line linebacker a good safety it's the most important position you can have in any sport and it's just it's kind of mind-boggling to me that the Ravens have been so willing to sour the relationship like this 
I'm with you completely. I don't understand it. I mean, we've seen the other side. We've seen organizations just wander aimlessly through the quarterback wilderness, you know, for a generation. I mean, I live here in Buffalo. We saw it. They didn't make the playoffs 17 years in a row. Guess why? They couldn't find a quarterback. Like, good luck finding that next guy. It's not easy. You found him. You have him. And, oh, by the way, you drafted Hayden Hurst before Lamar Jackson, so you didn't even really want him to begin with. Um, but you got him. You looked into him, and he's, he's an MVP. You changed your offense. It, it did a lot of good now. The offense needs to evolve, and I thought they did the right thing. Moving on from Greg Roman, bringing in Munkin, and more of a diversified passing attack. There's a reason veteran receivers aren't signing with the Baltimore Ravens. They don't like the offense, and I've talked to them. They, it just was very elementary, very simple. But that was changing, and that seems like a nod to Lamar. Like we're going to evolve. We're going to keep this thing moving in the right direction. But yeah, I don't know. I, I get the argument that it's a lot of money tied up into a player who hasn't finished the last couple seasons. True. But, I mean, give me that risk. Give me five years guaranteed with that injury risk with Lamar Jackson versus five years of wherever the hell you end up post-Lamar Jackson and trying to find the next guy. Because you'll probably spend five years trying to find the next guy if you're lucky. You have him, pay him. That's your best shot for a Super Bowl. Who's the team that should be doing that, should be giving him that 100% guaranteed offer if that's ever going to happen. Um, it's going to swallow their pride and say, let's get this guy, let's pay the big buck, and he'll be the, the guy that brings us to the glory land. Don't the Washington commanders just make all the sense in the world? I, I'm honestly really stunned how, again, I mean, Martin Mayhew is a GM, and it's bigger than it's bigger than the GM in Washington, obviously, but... You know, he kind of said they're rolling with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett right now. They're not interested in Lamar Jackson. That's what we've heard from a lot of GMs um, as part of that, you know, collusion, whatever you want to call it. But this just makes all the sense because Dan Snyder wants, well, he wanted $7 billion. I don't think he's going to get $7 billion, but he might get close to that, especially if he uh, ends up selling to Jeff Bezos and, you know, <laughs> drops the, uh, the bad blood there. Uh, with the owner of the Washington Post, you know, and people think that's why he doesn't want to sell it, sell the team to him. But either way, I mean, acquiring Lamar Jackson all of a sudden makes your product to sell look that much better, that much shinier. We saw it with the Denver Broncos last year. They trade for Russell Wilson, uh, a Super Bowl winner, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, we thought at the time. And I have to think that helped the price. <laughs> that absolutely helped that price jack up. So, I mean, let alone all of the, the scandals and controversies and, and red flags that are just all over this organization. I mean, they can't get out of their own way in terms of bad headlines. You, you trade for Lamar Jackson, everything changes. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're just posturing right now, maybe secretly Dan Snyder. And it, wouldn't that be – I mean, it, it's going to take a rogue owner um, for Lamar to get what he wants at this point because all the owners seem to be on the same page. But if there's a rogue owner out there, it would be Dan Snyder. I mean, it seems like you'd want to give the rest of the NFL a big middle finger on his way out, right? I mean, nobody likes, nobody seems to like him, and he doesn't like anybody else. What a perfect way to go out. Just give, a, give somebody a guaranteed contract, you know, take your billions of dollars, and then go on vacation. 
Well, and it's like, you know, for a PR win for him, it's like to go out as the guy breaking collusion in the <laughs> NFL. And just quickly, you mentioned in the Bezos yeah, thing right. there. I love a rich guy feud. So I'm so happy that that is, uh, that's come to light. If that's the, uh, if, if that is the, the, the reason why they're, you know, obviously the commanders are a team that, that would make a, a ton of sense. You know, the, the Colts, you mentioned it in terms of Ursay, what they have there. They've been searching for a quarterback for a while. You know, there was so much talk heading into last season of, oh, look, well, they got Matt Ryan and he's going to be the caretaker they need. And oof, it was not the case mm. of, of what they needed there. Could you, like, in terms of draft capital, what do you think a team would have to give up? Like, obviously, a team with a high pick would be able to pry Lamar out of there relatively easily, I think, just given the acrimony involved in everything. But how much do you think it would take to pry Lamar out of, out of or I'm sorry, out of Baltimore? Do you think it's as simple as signing a deal with him that he likes and it's the two first? Or could you see a world where a team ends up working out compensation otherwise? Boy, I feel like Charlie Kelly, you know, and always studying in Philadelphia at the board, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pepe Sylvia. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, all along, I, I really thought a team would just kind of sign him to an offer sheet, and then it'd be on the Ravens to decide whether or not they want to match, you know, take their two first-round picks. I, I tend to lean that direction still, but it's weird. I mean, it's really weird that we haven't seen any, any movement at all. I mean, it would absolutely behoove Lamar Jackson to have an agent. I, I think that if he – plus, that would have helped the, the bad blow with the Ravens. You know, he's got to hear all the bad things yeah. about his own game directly from his boss. That's, that's where agent is so big, too. I mean, they serve as that buffer. The player doesn't have to hear. I mean, he's he's hearing everything in this negotiation because he's, he's got to ne- negotiate directly. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, I think that relationship probably is, is beyond repair. And – is there a team out there negotiating with Lamar Jackson? We haven't heard it. I mean, I, maybe, maybe it's because there's really no hard deadline here. This thing doesn't have to happen this second. Mm-hmm. Teams kind of want to go through the draft, see what happens. Maybe there's somebody they're hoping slides to them. Like the Colts are a perfect example where, you know, they're where they're at. They'll probably miss out on Stroud and Young and unless they do something aggressive to move up. But it seems like they'll probably stay put. And if things – if, if it gets crazy at the quarterback position and they miss out on everybody, yeah, then, then, then I guess that does kind of put a deadline in place, some urgency, and, and they chase Lamar Jackson at that point. And, and maybe, maybe it is, you know, they're, they're willing to part with two first, uh, give, him, give him whatever he wants or close to it. I, I'm not sure how it would work out, but the Colts would make a lot of sense. You know, the, the Vikings are an interesting team too because it just seems they're, they're not really willing to go all in on Kirk Cousins. Um, they seem to be okay with one more year, but if they wanted to make a big splash, they'd probably have to keep slashing salary like they have been. Lamar Jackson on that fast track, whew. and the NFC too. I mean, there's not really a lot of elite quarterbacks in the NFC. That that team is interesting to me as well. I, I you know, it would be hard to make it work numbers wise because they are so cap strong. But it, just in terms of a football sense and wanting to compete, and Quesi Adolfo Mensa. Kevin O'Connell, they they made it clear they want to compete. They didn't. They never wanted to just tear this thing down. Um, maybe that's kind of a sleeper team here.
That would be like going from black and white to 4K TV of yeah. Kirk Cousins to Lamar Jackson. It'd be, that'd be like watching a different sport. It'd be kind of incredible. You know, another team that's been kind of bandied about there is is the Lions. And, you know, they're in this spot where everything just seems to be progressing exactly the way you'd like. It's not a team that's on the fast track to success, but they made a lot of positive strides. Jared Goff was a part of that. But, you know, I think it's very fair to say that there's a ceiling that Jared Goff gives you and there's a ceiling that Lamar Jackson could mm. give you. Could you see a world where the Lions try to really hyper jump the the rebuild or the retool they've got going on here? Gosh, I have never really put the Lions in my in my head hypothetically. I mean, it'd be fun. That's another NFC team, another fast track, and and, and really, at prop, what we need to all talk more about is just the scheme of the offense because where he goes. You know, OTAs, minicamp, you're in, you're putting in all your installs. You're going a certain direction offensively. Lamar Jackson just changes everything wherever he'd go. So it would have to go be a team where seamlessly you can just kind of adjust on the fly because it seems like you have a lot of time, but you really don't because he's so unique. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Lions would make sense. They love the, that north and south power rushing attack, and Lamar Jackson could just be another part of that. And they've really built the right way with that offensive line. I love it. I spent some time with those linemen last season for a series. And it's just so fascinating to me that all these new coaches, new GMs, they, they take over, they tear it down. They chase the transcendent quarterback. The Lions just have never done that at all. Like they're, they're building from the inside out. And they, they took on Jared Goff's contract. And lo and behold, Jared Goff is still pretty dang good. So I think they'll just stick with Goff. I, I, I'd be surprised even if they drafted a quarterback. I think they're going to try to win with him and to just kind of keep this steady build going. But that's probably something to keep in mind with Lamar Jackson's where he's got to go to a team that has a coaching staff and personnel conducive to his strengths. I'm not sure if they go all Greg Roman, right? Him running the ball 20 times and, you know, with like literal off tackle runs for the quarterback, but it's probably going to look a hell of a lot different than whatever you have right now. All right. One quarterback saga to the next, uh, been two weeks since Aaron Rodgers went on that Pat McAfee show and broke the internet, uh, said he intends to play for the Jets. And since then, it's been crickets in terms of any actual movement. Um, why do you think this hasn't actually solidified as of late? You know, it's. I think both. it's almost like a game of chicken here. I mean, neither side really wants to blink. And maybe we did see somewhat of a half blink down in Phoenix with mm. Gouda Kemp, the GM for Green Bay. <laughs> saying it, it's not it's not necessarily going to take a first-round pick. Um, to me, that that's that's a sign of movement. That's a sign of this thing inching closer toward a resolution. If you're publicly willing to, to go there, I, I do think Green Bay is probably getting closer to that point. Of, and I think Green Bay's got a lot of leverage here still. I mean, Aaron Rodgers publicly said he wants to play for the Jets. Jets really don't have any other options. Desperate owner. They're not going to draft anybody. Um but I think Green Bay is probably getting sick and tired of the saga. I mean, they're getting sick and yeah. tired of the lies. Aaron Rodgers going on Pat McAfee, just blasting your organization. Just if, if The truth's always somewhere in the middle. I get it. But I mean, Brian Gutekind, to his credit, poised, professional, um, yesterday basically said Aaron Rodgers' version of events is not true, that they tried to reach him and that he – was not receptive. They could not get a hold of him. Because he was in a bunker in the the cave. (laughs) He's in the cave. Exactly. I mean, and and 
And he's probably in a cave even outside of the cave, just not wanting to <laughs> communicate. Um, I know at some point, you know, somebody's kind of a, a, a pain in the ass, you just kind of move on mm-hmm. and you're done. Uh, they, they might be getting there. And this is Jordan Love's team. They, they have moved on. Like this, Jordan Love will be the starting quarterback. They're done with Aaron Rodgers. And, yes, they, they're disgusted with him, as our Bob McGinn reported, you know, a month ago. So at what point does that disgust reach the point of, all right, fine, whatever, we'll just take a second, maybe it's a couple seconds, you know, one in 23, one in 24, who, who knows? But it's, uh, you, it, that was the first time you could sense a little, um, you know, frustration, you know, calm frustration out of Brian Gutekind. And, and he said, like, you know, I, we would love for him to deal with us privately if he has you know, any grievances, any problems, but he chooses the media and that's okay. <laughs> that's what he said. So yeah, I think they'll get a little ticked off and rightfully so enough's enough. Okay. You never know. Maybe Lamar ends up with the jets. They flip the script. They do this little sneaky oh, under, uh, under the surface thing, but, uh, that we'll, we'll get you on to talk about that. Uh, if that does happen, let's, let's do a little bills though, because your latest edition of the go long podcast, you talked about Josh Allen. Um, and I wanted to bring up that Sean McDermott quote that I, I believe you shared as well yesterday about, um, I don't think it's a healthy way to play quarterback in this league. Uh, it's undefe- undefeated that things are going to happen when you play that style brand of football. That's about Josh Allen taking so many hits. Um, I think that's a pretty, pretty interesting thing to say publicly um, about your quarterback and about your, pl- your style of play. Um, what do you think, what was the, the reasoning behind making that type of, you know, proclamation mid off season? You know, on its face, it's not, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the joke around Buffalo, it's like that this is Carolina North. Like they've done so much that the Panthers have done and taken their players and coaches and personnel folks. And, you know, all right, well, look at Cam Newton in 2015. He had the MVP season. I think we, we all assume that this is a player that is changing the game and he is not going anywhere. And that was an unbelievable season. We had like 45 total touchdowns, 4,500 yards. I mean, running, throwing, everything. Well, he never made another Pro Bowl. He had one more winning season. The injuries added up, and now he's posting these really sad and pathetic videos declaring himself better than you know some of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. It's just <laughs> it's gone down a really rough, rough road for Cam Newton um, because of those hits adding up. I mean, the injuries, it, it just it took a toll. So I get it where Sean McDermott's coming from. It, it makes sense. But to just water down your your quarterback's game and just basically take everything that Josh Allen can do and just douse it in Purell is not a winning formula. I don't think, I mean, to, to beat Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and all of these quarterbacks, all of these offenses in the AFC, um, you need Josh Allen in full. You, like you, you need him leaping over linebackers and DBs and, and stiff arming and spinning and, throwing the ball through a brick wall. I mean, you heard Matthew Judon and NFL Network the other day say, like, yes, he can just stand there and throw, but it's the running. That's what drives everybody nuts. So to just try to reel that in, then you're probably looking at, you know, a good team that is never great, is never a Super Bowl winner. To win the Super Bowl, you need Josh Allen doing Josh Allen Josh Allen things. Um, And so that's where it's strange from Sean McDermott. It's not surprising. He doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily have the intel around offensive football. We see it in the playoffs every year with the, you know, the surrender punts and, you know, basically giving up in that Cincinnati game a, a couple times over. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm not surprised. It's on brand for what we've seen out of the head coach, but it's troubling. Is this Super Bowl window? It doesn't stay open forever. It's open now. 
uh, I, I would think you'd want Josh Allen at his best. You you led me right to where I wanted to go with this. You know, uh, things arrive quickly in sports, but they can also go away pretty quickly. And you know, Bills fans they know torture well, uh, wide right, and all of the all the the Jim Kelly years and four straight losses. This group has yet to get there to have four straight losses in the Super Bowl. You know, how much of a worry, a concern? And I want to be clear, I'm not asking this because I think it's time to panic or anything like that. But windows do close pretty quickly in this league, and is there any concern that the Bills are kind of wasting Josh Allen's prime and you know this is a big offseason for them they haven't hit on a draft in a while it feels like this could be a kind of a, a swinging door or a sliding doors moment for what this Bills window is depending on what they do this offseason I think that there's uh, some steady growing concern locally here with fans that um, they, they they know the Super Bowl window is open I mean with Josh Allen in his prime it's it's going to be open You've got digs, you know, that connection alone should give you hope uh, year in and year out, but digs is going to be 30 and he's been on some podcasts voicing his displeasure and he's frustrated with the same things happening again and again and again. He even compared um, his frustrations in Buffalo this past season, his frustrations in Minnesota, you know, when he asked for a trade and he couldn't stand the offense. So that would be a concern. I would think these, these receivers and, and I, don't get me wrong. I love Diggs's anger. I mean, his, his sense of urgency, honestly, should be felt with people on staff. Uh, so, yeah, I think that there, there probably is some quiet concern right now and that if they were to get into the playoffs and lose again in similar fashion, uh, then maybe, maybe they're that seat. It's probably warm right now for Sean McDermott. Uh, it would definitely get a hell of a lot warmer if the same thing happened again. Look, it's hard to just fire somebody who ended a drought who's turned your team into a division winner. But I think where the fans are right now is that's not enough. Like, okay, great. We're a 13 win team. Uh, We've won some divisions, but this is our opportunity to do something greater with this quarterback. And it's just not happening. We're bashing our head against the wall year after year after year. Uh, Maybe like there's a little bit more public pressure with another loss. Um, I mean, look, he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. Um, They've been around what, six, seven years. So I think that they rightfully are demanding more. Uh, last one here for you, Ty. Uh, Buffalo Bills reveal the $1.4 billion uh, stadium renderings, apparently starting to set uh, the project on the ground next month. Now, I'm sure you've had a, a look at the uh, ins and outs of the intricacies of that, but no dome, um, or is that kind of what the fans want? Is it the style of Buffalo Bills football to have an outdoor-esque area that you just got to grind it out? You got to be the guys that play in the snow regardless, or do you think there's some fans that wanted a little bit of a different pathway? I think with this offense, it's probably more fans than uh, than you would think that actually do want a dome mm-hmm. uh, with with the way that this offense has played so much better indoors versus outdoors. And I get it yet. You're not going to completely build a stadium because of your current personnel. This is a stadium you're hoping last, you know, beyond uh, this current personnel. So it's, it's gotta be outdoors, right? I mean, that <laughs> that's Buffalo. It's, it's, it's going to stay in orchard park, which I love as somebody who kind of lives on the outskirts myself. Like it, I got to worry about driving downtown. It is kind of strange. I mean, the downtown revival is real. Like that's it's changed so much the last decade. And now we all kind of thought the stadium would just be parachuted right in there. It's so it's not. It's going to stay out in the, in the burbs, and uh, it's it looks sharp. 
you know, for, for what it is. And you know, I, I guess they found a way to uh, find the funds via the Seneca nation. It's really shady. You know, mm-hmm. what Kathy Hogle did <laughs> probably spent an hour on that. I mean, really shady, uh, but it's going to get done. It will get paid for and everybody will be happy to have football in Buffalo, which I guess is the main point. Yeah. 2026. Uh, we'll be there to see the ribbon cutting. There, uh, there you go. Uh, looks like it's going to be beautiful. Nonetheless. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Ty. We'll, we'll chat down the road when this is all cleared up with all, where are the quarterbacks land and uh, the end of these sagas. Sounds good. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me, gang. No problem. That's Ty Dunn, national NFL writer and founder of Go Long Newsletter. Lots to read there. Um, even though it's off season, there's always something going on in the NFL. Always some little rumblings and mumblings, and we'll see when all of this is set. But uh, the Lamar Jackson stuff just keeps getting more and more interesting. Eyeballs emoji. Yes, sure. very, very much. Quickly, uh, just throwing it at you. More mm-hmm. insufferable, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Oh, God. I got to say, see that? Yeah, that, yeah. recency bias. Recency yeah. bias would be all the Aaron Rodgers this offseason, yep. but grand scheme of things, Russell Wilson. Okay, yeah, the high knees on the plane is really, really tough. Yeah. I go Rodgers, but there's no, there's no wrong answer yeah, there. Yeah, that's tough, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Both? Yes. Would there be tough two hang. people you'd rather not yeah. have dinner with? Honestly. God. Um, speaking of dinner and food and such. Could actually, just quickly, could yeah. you imagine the two of them having a conversation? No. I actually think they'd... They or would like the could, live stream of that, actually. Oh, man. They'd put up Pat McAfee numbers. That would, there let me go. tell you. Put those two on a podcast. Um, <laughs> all right, we're, we're doing some giveaways. ProLine Plus has teamed up with Real Sports to become their exclusive sportsbook partner, committed to taking the sports viewing experience to the next level, getting fans closer to the action to celebrate. They've given us a pair of tickets to give away for tonight's Miami Heat-Toronto Raptors game, along with $100 to Real Sports as a gift card. To enter, listen to, to for today's code word, text into 59590. Today's code word is ProLine Plus. Text ProLine Plus to 590-590 right now for your chance to win. You must be 19 years of age or older to enter. Details at sportsnet.ca slash 590. That's the tonight's game. Miami Heat-Toronto Raptors, a must-win for your Raptors. At home at Scotiabank Arena, the return of Kyle Lowry. I don't know what else you could ask for. Free tickets and 100 bucks. Let's go. Sign me up. That's uh, that's your ProLine Plus giveaway for today. Code word is ProLine Plus. Let's do a quick something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. I think I got tagged in this truly 50 to 60 times <laughs> as the self-proclaimed national connoisseur of hot dogs at the Rogers Center. The Blue Jays have there's announced... A of, there's a lot of competition for that title, but I mean, I'm not, I I'm not just, saying you don't deserve most it. Most people just have saying. awarded it to me, and I've just... coming for the crown, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, okay, please, the more the merrier. Blue Jays have announced a poutine hot dog, so it's $9.99 at the Rogers Center, and the photo of it, which is what we've been provided with, is a hot dog with poutine on top. Now, sure. not that hard to uh, imagine. The fries are cut kind of into like little cubes, not like full-on French fries. And I've been asked to give my opinion on this by many people. Mm-hmm. My opinion on this is that I'll try anything once. There you go. But I am not looking you're, you're forward not excited to, it. to it. It's fine. I'll tell you this. I like poutine and I like hot dogs, but I, I'm not a, a mixing. Mm. I don't like a mixing pot. Are you like a chili cheese dog person? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, it's fine to Sure. Me. If I was to get poutine, it's usually within the range of two to four in the morning. Agreed. And it's the best time for that's it. the only time to eat poutine. <laughs> and usually at that point, I just want 
a simple poutine. I'm not getting, you know, all the mixings and minglings and, you know, that one poutine place downtown where you can get whatever you want on it. Just give me the straight up original poutine. I do like to throw in a buffalo chicken or a That's not bad. But But at that point, just hungry. Yeah, I get you. Just something to soak up. My problem with the poutine hot dog, and again, I'm with you. Try it. Try it once. Is it just, I, it just seems messy. It does seem sloppy. 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 And let me tell you, it wouldn't be the first time someone's been sloppy at the Rogers Center. Uh, so, There's going to be yeah. a lot of, a lot of uh, intoxicated folk just woofing these down. Yep. And I, I said, I'll try it once and I'll give you a review. No problem. I still like a nice $1 loony dog. You just, you know, you put whatever you want on it. Easy enough. What but do you do on them? I like a good ketchup. And it depends on the rush of the condiment line. I could just do ketchup, but sometimes I'm feeling spicy. I'll add whatever's available. There. I need ketchup and mustard. I need yeah, them both. I, I don't mind mustard. Um, I like relish. Not but a relish person. It can be a lot on yeah. those little dogs. So go. ketchup and mustard, simple, whatever. If I'm getting a sausage, a street meat, it's yeah, you put all. Yeah, it's a different, completely yeah. different, you know, food. You got to get all the fixings, mixings, hot peppers, whatever's oh, yeah. available. Oh, yeah. But a good old loony dog, just ketchup mustard, no problem. But yes, I'll try this poutine hot dog for you all, and I will give you a review. Maybe the home opener, which is also a loony dog Tuesday. Oh. But I don't know if they're going to be doing it there. We have to discuss. Um, I'll have one, $9.99. we got to win a wake and rake for me to afford it. So. I was going to say, can you expense that? Probably not, but we'll do our best. At Ryan Fabro. <laughs> yeah, that's your something to chew on. Um, legitimately something to chew on, and I will do that for you. On the other side of the break, we got Todd Frazier, former MLB third baseman, two-time All-Star, and Yes Network analyst, co-host of Foul Territory. Now, this is a new show. Um, you can check it out uh, at Foul Territory TV. Sorry, that's a tough one. Foul Territory TV on Twitter, live Monday to Friday, 11 a.m. on YouTube. As Danielle, our producer, said the best new show that you haven't discovered yet. There so we'll go. chat about that and more. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan morning show. I just took the reins. Brent Gutting here. I'm getting comfy. That's right, buddy. I've only been here Four for like days. an hour and a half, and I'm already <laughs> stealing the job from you. Uh, Brent Gutting, Ailish Forfar here, fan morning show. Justin Cuthbert basking away. Yeah, in, he's in a hammock. In parts unknown. <laughs> uh, or Costa Rica, one or, one or the other. Uh, so uh, he'll be back with us. Uh, well, not us, with you on right. Monday. But very, very happy to be joined now by our next guest, Todd Frazier, excellent MLB career, former third baseman, two-time All-Star, Yes Network analyst, and co-host of Foul Territory. Todd, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you doing today? Good. How are you guys doing, man? Thanks for having me. Doing well, doing well. Before we get into any kind of big picture stuff or thoughts on the season, I just want to talk about the baseball life you have led. You mm. have had an awesome career, and I'm not just talking about at the major league level. You did one of the coolest things anybody can do in the sport. You won the Little League World Series. I was looking <laughs> at your wiki yesterday. You not only uh, you had the game-winning hit, you got the <laughs> last out. You were the man. Then you go on to have a long career. You play for the Yankees. You play for the Mets. Uh, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but man, uh, you put in the work. You deserve it, but what, what a blessed baseball life you have led. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now, uh, after all that, I'm actually making sandwiches for the kids for school this morning. So this is the, this is the the present I get for doing all that. But no, it it, it has been a fun-filled career, and now I get to teach young kids. Now, my son is nine, 
Um, we have a travel ball team. We got Little League coming up this Saturday. We won our first tournament, and uh, having a, I'm having an even better time now. It's more nerve-wracking now than it is playing, and uh, my focus is on is on my three children. So it's been a, it's been a great great career so far. Thank you. That's uh, that's good to hear. I'm I'm currently in a uh, in a bit of a feud with the T-ball league in my area, trying to get my son <laughs> oh, signed no. up a year early. So I know exactly uh, where you're at on oh, that. Yeah. Although I don't have the oh, juice yeah. of, of being a former big leaguer, but yeah. So hopefully oh. soon I'll be I'll be there with you. Uh, in in terms of what what we're looking at this season for for baseball, you know, uh, again, just more kind of big picture stuff. You you played in the Olympics. We just coming off the the, the World Baseball Classic here. How important do you yeah. think it is for the game to have international? baseball like this you know I don't know that it needs to be a set thing of every two years or every four years but for me personally I think it's awesome that you had the WBC and it had all the juice that it had how important is it for baseball to be not just major league baseball but an international game I I think it's huge Uh, you saw the excitement you saw the emotion Um, it's like some of these guys are playing for their life man that's how into it they were and I was into it I know everybody here in Jersey was talking about it. We couldn't wait for the next game. And every four years, I think, is awesome just because it gets that itch a little bit. Like, hey, when's it coming back? You, know, you don't want to do it every year because then it get a little, you know, monotonous, get a little get a little old, in my opinion. Every four years, get the boys going a little bit, have the excitement coming back. And uh, you saw it. You, you saw the, the, you know, the Canadian team is a really good team, man. The, the, the young man Otto, man, he is he was phenomenal. Uh, you got guys from Israel dominating. You got guys from, you know, the, the Latin countries. It was just epic, and and I think every baseball fan is um, is just you know God bless God bless them. They got to watch some of the best baseball they'll ever see in their life, if not ever again. Yeah, that World Baseball Classic stole the hearts of, I think, feel like a global uh, community watching, especially that last at bat of Tawny and Trout, uh, the moment there that we witnessed. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people's mind went right away to how different that might have been with a pitch clock. And it's such a uh, bummer to have that be the next kind of point of contention or conversation. But this year, there's some new rules in the MLB. And I wonder your player perspective on it. Players are so habitual. Like you have your exact walk up. You have your exact time that you arrive and everything is the same process. Now, I wonder in your perspective, if you all of a sudden had to to shift that, like maybe a second or two or a little bit of a, a thought when you're in your mind, when you get up to play, like how do different that would be for you if you're still playing yeah I, I would have been fine with it to be honest with you you know I'm, I'm a guy that you know I don't like to rush but at the same time I would be able to make that adjustment I'm one of those guys that learn, that goes on the fly I'm not the analytical guy I'm, I'm the guy that's like let's go grip it and rip it so for me I've been like that my whole career I think this is great for baseball I think uh, the fans are going to like it two-and-a-half-hour games are phenomenal. Now you can go home and get an extra root beer if you want, you know, before you go to bed and, uh, you know, do, do whatever you need to do. So I think, honestly, two-and-a-half hours is awesome. Sometimes it got to four-hour games. This is just perfect thing for baseball, and I think pitchers and hitters alike are going to need to adjust, and I think we've seen that. But the only thing I don't want to see are games ended on it. So mm. hopefully um, during the season, if that does happen, you know, Major League Baseball can make an adjustment. 
Yeah, I think that it's like everything. We always think we want things to be black and white, and this is the rule, and that's the rule. But generally speaking, the right answer involves a little bit of gray area, a little bit of, you know, understanding the flow of the game. And, yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think, you know, for a spring training game, uh, we've had a few of them end that way on pitcher violations or batter violations, and that's fine. It's the spring training, keep it moving. But, yeah, you you certainly wouldn't want to see that in uh, in any games that, that matter. You know, you're you're doing yes work for the Yankees now. Uh, it's always fun when there's a rivalry in any city for any sport. Uh, the Yankees, obviously, they're they're in a great run right now. They're able to bring back Judge this year. You see what the Mets are doing, splashing all that cash. What do you think it'll be like? And, you know, it's not your typical rivalry, seeing as how they're not even, forget the same division, they're not even in the same league. But what, yeah. what do you think it'll be like in the city this year with those two teams looking the way they do? It'll be buzzing. It'll be buzzing again. I mean, Steve Cohen at the helm over there in uh, Queens yeah, doesn't care about money, doesn't care about anything. He just wants to win. Um, you know, they had a big injury with Edwin Diaz. That's going to hurt. But David Robertson has been there before as a closer. So I'm not that worried about the mess. Uh, Yankees right now, they got the injury bug. So, you know, they've got Carlos Rodon come over here, Frankie Montas, who they're going to be on the yeah, and, and Luis Severino. So they're going to have to have some young guys step up pitching-wise with Garrett Cole uh, rounding off the top there, and um, we'll go from there. And they're going to need some guys to step up. Last year, some guys you know, took a back, you know, basically took a back seat, you know, of, you know, not doing what, you know, they know they're capable of. So, but Yankees are going to be right in the thick of things. I can't wait to see how the season unfolds. And those Blue Jays, man, watch out. they got a really good team coming up, too. Yeah, they sure, sure do. We're excited to, to get this season started on Thursday. Uh, when we look at the Yankees, of course, it's easy to pinpoint what Aaron Judge did last year. Obviously, a historic season. Um, but what do you expect from him this year? I, I, can, he, can he even you know, match that? And if he doesn't, what's an acceptable range of an Aaron Judge season? I mean, it's pretty incredible what he put up last year. If it comes down to earth, whatever that means, what's that in your range of uh, perspective of what he could do this season? Yeah, I'm expecting more big things from him. Uh, I, I think he understands now that record was awesome, but I think he wants a championship, knowing mm-hmm. who Aaron is. And the type of ball player he is. I don't, I don't think he cares anymore about the individual stats. He's set, man. He got the contract he needed. He bet on himself. And I think everybody there, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, um, uh, just to name a few, are like, hey, listen, everything's good. You know, let, let's bring let's bring a championship home for uh, Yankee faithful. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's what they do. Once everybody is healthy, watch out. You know, if they can stay, you know, 500, uh, you know, right around 500 for the first month, and uh, hopefully uh, after that, because teams don't play each other that often anymore in the division. So it's not like we're playing the Blue Jays 19 times. So there's going to be some games where, you know, we got to play Oakland or we got to, you know, you're, you're playing every team. So you're going to get a chance to uh, win two out of three games of some teams. And you've got to do that. Do you think that's good for baseball, the unbalancing or the rebalancing of the schedule? You know, the idea of the ALEs just punching each other in the mouth and then uh, we won't name them. Yes, we will. It's the centrals Uh, in in terms of divisions that, you know, it's not nearly as tough there. Uh, Do you think that that was a good move for baseball? You know, so much of I I think baseball, maybe more so than any other sport, is a regional sport. You know, you really you pay attention to the league, but you really pay attention to your team and your division. Uh, Do you think there's any worry of losing the rivalry? For me, there's none of that. I mean, there's 162 games. You're still going to play all the teams in your division a bunch of times. What do you make of baseball switching up the way they're doing the schedule there? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, this is something, another thing that we got to see how it unfolds. 
oh, are you going to get the you know pitcher? Are you going to get the number one pitcher from the you know from the Oakland A's or you know whoever National League team uh, you know from the Nationals? Or, or are you going to get the three, four, five guy? It just depends how the rotation unfolds. Are you going to get lucky? Is there going to be an injury where you just basically walk through the team? Um, that's baseball in a nutshell. So you got to the flip of a coin some days, and, you know, we'll see how that one goes. But I, I don't have an answer for you there. We're going to see what, you know, how everybody's record is during the season and then if everything works out well. We're talking to Todd Frazier, former MLB third baseman and, yes, network analyst. So let's talk about those Blue Jays. Now, this offseason, quite a lot of turnover, um, not only in the players, but with the way that the Blue Jays have bolstered their staff. Now, I wonder, as someone that played, you know, your career in the MLB, adding someone like a Don Mattingly, not him specifically, but um, a mature, experienced voice to a young team, how much of a boost can that be to some of these young guys, a bench coach bringing something? Um, Was there someone in your career that brought a different level of perspective that helped, you know, get a team over the hump or, or get some of these younger guys, the right voice in the, the clubhouse. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, Don Mattingly has been on both sides. He's been on the, the, the biggest teams with the Dodgers. He's mm-hmm. played with the Yankees. He's managed before. This is a guy that Snyder's going to lean on too, you know, especially, you know, maybe for a tough decision, you know, Hey, what do you think? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think people, need to understand nowadays there's ex managers are like their right hand men that are going to be right there. And you got a guy that's been, that's been through everything. So I think that was a phenomenal pickup by the, by the blue Jays. And for me, I had Eric Davis when I was coming up, he was, he was my mentor, uh, Mr. Red. And um, you know, a guy like that, just to pick his brain and, and talk to him basically about anything on and off the field. There's nothing uh, more special than that, especially with these younger guys coming up with the Blue Jays. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's really important to have that kind of sage voice. And, you know, you talk about the Blue Jays being a younger team. They've definitely mixed in some some vet experience there. Uh, one thing, and the Blue Jays aren't the only team that did this. Pretty much every team in baseball, it seems like, has a thing when somebody hits a home run. There has been so much talk. And look, when, it, when the team's winning, no one talks about it. They say, oh, look how fun it is. <laughs> it is the first thing people blame here when things go bad of, oh, they're not taking yeah. it seriously. How do you balance the idea of it's a long season, it's 160 two games you guys play pretty much every single day you got to keep it light every day can't be the most serious day of your life versus it's a job and you're there to win how do you balance the idea of teams kind of having that fun loose energy with also being serious and prepared it's a really good question i think you just gotta let the boys be the boys because at the end of the day um it is it's a long season guys want to have fun and you know put everything in perspective let's go i how many people have hit a home run in major league baseball? Like it's only one in this conversation. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like if you were to hit a home run in major league baseball, you're going to go crazy. So people always say, Oh, act like you've been there before. I throw that out the window, man. Like this is, (laughs) it's a new era. It's a new day. When I hit a home run, man, I want to celebrate. I want to be happy. Win, lose or draw. I mean, if you're down 10 runs, just walk the bases. That's just being professional. But you know, it's one of those things where you'll never forget it. Fans will always be talking about it, you know, as long as you look, oh, you remember this, this guy put on a sombrero or, or they put on the jacket or whatever they do. Um, that's the fun part about baseball, you know, let the kids play. That's the old initiative we're talking about. Focus on, you know, who's the next guy coming up? Like who's, who's going to be the next big player instead of, you know, worrying about an antic that a team wants to do. That's the fun part because now, 
the little league teams are going to be doing it. And that's, mm. that, I think that's kind of cute. You know, it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, we got all eyes on what the Blue Jays decide to do instead of that home run jacket because they've retired it. We'll see uh, see where they go with that. Yeah. But we got a couple days uh, to see their first uh, real season home run. Now, i got to ask you about Matt Chapman because uh, yourself is a terrific third baseman, um, especially the defensive side of it. He's he's kind of like that too. He's in his final year of his current contract. Big season for Matt Chapman here. Um what do you like about the way that Matt Chapman defends that that side of the the, the diamond and uh, I guess playing in a contract year when you have big aspirations as a team? Yeah, he's 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 legit. He's a guy. I I have a cleat collection. He was we was one of the top five third basemen. I had to get mm. sign a pair of his cleats for him, and I got him in my batting cage here. So he's he's a, he, the one thing I always see from Matt Chapman. He gets so low in his stance as a third baseman. And people are like, oh, man, I thought you were going to talk about hitting. No, this guy can get his butt to the ground and get so low and wide. And I've, I've, and I've tried doing that. I was just trying to do it now just because I was thinking about it and I almost hurt my back. So to do that, you got to have some of the loosest hits ever. And from that position, I've never seen anybody get out of that position and be so quick to the ball. Um, the, the, guy, the guy's unbelievable. He's a great hitter. He's coming into his own, and um, I'm expecting big things from him this year from the hot corner. That's uh, that's awesome. I don't know that I would have expected cleats as the item yeah. that you would have had from him. I would have thought maybe yeah, a bat or a glove. That, but that's what every, Everybody gets a bat or a jersey or a ball. I'm like, I need something unique. I got about yes. 55 cleats that I display in my batting cage, and um, – He's definitely one. Oh, give us give us one or two of your favorites. Yeah, I won't yeah, I won't put you on the spot like okay. that, but you got to drop a couple names oh, for us. It's fine. I'll go old school and new school. The first one I ever got was Ichiro Suzuki. Oh, um, wow. Long story short, I had to write. They said, "Listen, the only way Ichiro signs is if you write him a letter." So I'm sitting there in <laughs> in uh, the clubhouse in the Marlins Park, and I'm like, "Oh my God, this guy's about to retire. What am I going to say?" I'm like, "Man, you inspired me. This and that." I send the letter. He signs the cleats, send them over. I meet him because I always like to stretch early, and he stretches early. I meet him halfway in the outfield. He goes, Todd, Todd, I said, eat your own. Thank you. He goes, no, 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 thank you. He goes, that was the best letter I ever got written to from a baseball player. I said, holy cow, and I was, like, taken back by it. So um, I brought my poetry skills in that day. There and you then, go. Uh, and then, like, in, uh, let's see, some really cool ones that I have. I have Paul O'Neill, who was my idol growing Ooh. up. Um, you know, who else? I'm just trying to think. CC Sabathia to Adrian Beltre to um, Nolan Arenado. So I, Mookie Betts. So I, I got a bunch of uh, really good ones. I gotta, I gotta call Bo Bichette and Vlad up and see if they'll there help me go. out. There you go. Uh, we, we can help connect. We, you. we no, that's a lie. We have no pull, but we'll say we can help connect you there. Uh, wow. Uh, Bet- yeah, just- that's all good. Bets and Beltre, uh, two of my favorites mm-hmm. there. Uh, Todd, really, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. And uh, before we let you go, I uh, want to tell everybody to check out at Foul Territory TV on Twitter. Yeah. That show will air on YouTube. Uh, really, really excited about that. Our producer has been pumping it. He mm-hmm. says it's the best show everyone needs to know about. So uh, really, really wanted to thank you for uh, taking the time today, Todd. All right. Thank you very much. There he goes. Todd Frazier, the Todd father. Beauty. Did not expect that. 
What a cool 55 guy. 55 cleats? I'm gonna ask, we should ask if he had Joey Votto because I know he played with oh, him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Besties. I'll get him go. on again. There you go. That was, a, that was a really good interview. It's always the best when, you know, like, look, we have our standard questions mm-hmm. we want to ask pretty much any MLB analyst who comes on or whatever, but anytime you can kind of delve into something that you didn't expect to get into. And I love that he's a bit of a hipster of, yeah, who cares? Bats and gloves. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? Cleats. Cleats. Pretty things must unique. stink. Yeah. Oh God. Definitely. That that it was in his batting cage, as he said. Yeah. Like just displayed. Love we it. gotta get a photo of that. We really. I'm sure I would it's on social. Very much like to see that. All right. So Todd Frazier. Yeah. Check out that Foul Territory TV show, uh, Twitter as well, and uh, on YouTube, uh, 11 a.m. Monday to Friday. That was great. We'll definitely have to get him back on the show. Blue Jays wrapping up their Grapefruit League schedule today. This is it. They take on the Phillies at noon on Sportsnet 590. Fans streaming on Sportsnet.ca slash 590 as well as the Sportsnet app. Your last opportunity to see the Blue Jays in action before the real deal kicks off on Thursday. I believe Jose Barrios is on the mound. Mm. So we got an opportunity to see him. And then, you know, Alec Manoa, opening day starter, and then the potentially home opener starter, the way it lines up. So a great, great opportunity for him to start the season off strong on well, Thursday. Them, them announcing Alec Manoa of the game day starter was like me announcing I'm going to breathe air today. It's <laughs> like, uh, obviously. I mean, Could have been Kevin Gosman. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the idea, come on. Like, we. it's so funny <laughs> that that sure. was even a conversation and we're like debating it like oh who do you think i don't know maybe the guy who's the face of the franchise outside of lad right now could be maybe him yeah, yeah. could be um one of the voices of our franchise Ooh. is eric smith raptors play-by-play announcer for us as present 590 fan today marks his 1000th regular season game as a raptors broadcaster for us let's chat about that that incredible career achievement and the return of kyle lowry tonight see what the good memories he has of him there we go